welcome back to Unsolved South. We're your host, Michelle and Maddie. Hope everybody had a good week. Did you have a good week? I did, I did. Um, the story I have for you this week is interesting to say the least. So, um, I got a little story before the story. So, you ready to get started? Because it sounds like it's about to start storming. Yes, I was about to say we're going to have some good background noise. It's going to get spooky up in here because we got a storm going on outside. All right. So, um, usually we do hold the stories to the end, but in this case, this story came to me in like the weirdest kind of way. So, I thought it might interest y'all to see how my mind works, like a squirrel in traffic, like um, headed one direction, then like skirt back the other way. <laughs> Never know where I'm going to wind up, right? Yes, please. Okay, so what had happened was... My third daughter, Melanie, and I. Your third daughter? <laughs> she is. Well, I, I mean, I guess I could have just said my daughter, but she's third in the line. Anyway, we took a trip to my favorite thrift store several weeks back. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, me, when I walk in, I head straight for the holiday decorations because I got them sectioned off in this area and so i head straight there because i got a problem with holiday decorations because um i love to decorate for any and every holiday and especially christmas and halloween i like go above and beyond like i'm kind of overboard maybe yeah if you are close enough to uh, close enough to us to know where we live you should drive by one halloween or christmas and see the display but we won't give our address out in, no, but in, I go, in the podcast. No, but I go all out. I mean, I've yeah. got, like, so much going on. So, in any case, um, which reminds me, this year I've got such a plan. I'm so excited. But, Speaking of which, if anybody has a mannequin that they don't want and want to, you know, donate it to a good cause, uh, send it our way. Yeah, I'm looking for some mannequins. I need especially one, but I'll take any mannequins. Anyway. Child, adult, male, female, don't care. Anyway, go ahead. Back to the, uh, what had happened was. Squirrel. So, I'm walking back and I spot these two blow molds to the back. Well, I'm like a day late getting there. And so, I'm like, for sure these are going to be sold because blow molds. And so, I go bebopping back there and they are not sold. And they are cheap. And I'm like, uh-oh, because I know what I got. And so, I'm standing guard, and I tell Melanie, I'm like, hey, run, get a buggy, and we'll load these up in the other buggy, because I done got this buggy. Like, I, Pretty I got stuff in it already, and I don't want to have to check out with all of it. And these are so big, they'll take up my buggy space, and I can't shop, and I'm going to shop. Yeah. And so, I'm like, so, go get a buggy, and come back. We'll load these up, and you can go pay for them, and take them out to my car for me and then come back and yeah. so she's like okay cool so she goes and gets a buggy we're like loading them up i get the last one jugged in her buggy and this dude walks up next to me and he's like um oh those are worth a lot of money and i'm like yeah i know because you know because like i said i knew what they were and um I said, but I'm not going to sell them. I, I do a big Christmas display at my house, and I'm going to use them in my Christmas display. And he said, well, we do a big display at the fire department, but they're renovating, so um, so I don't know if we'll do it this year. And so um, I'm like, nice. So, okay, let me stop here and let y'all know. I'm super socially awkward I can't think of what to say when somebody says something to me. He said, cool story, bro. That <laughs> was basically, I'm like, nice. Because I can't think of what to say. Like, I almost panic in my mind because, like, I don't know. Something's wrong with me. I legitimately just cannot think of the words. <laughs> I think I inherited that from you. I, I don't know because you're pretty outgoing, but I'm like... I'm the worst at making small talk. So, um, 
I mean, it, it legitimately can be a problem. Like, one time I abandoned one of my kids at the grocery store because this woman was talking to me and I couldn't make her stop. <laughs> what? I didn't hear that story. <laughs> it was Kayla. We were at uh, the grocery store and I just walked down the dog food aisle to get dog food. And this woman started talking to me about her cats randomly. Like, I ain't talked to her. I ain't asked no questions. I'm, like, loading up dog food. And she starts a story about her cats. And I'm like, I'm not a, a cat person just in general. But, I mean, I like animals. But I can't think of nothing to say about them. And she's like, she legitimately busts out her phone and starts showing me pictures <laughs> of her cats. And I go into full Don't panic. Don't you hate that? Well, I go into panic because I'm like, oh, God. I don't know how to get out of it. And if I can't get out of a conversation, like, I panic. <laughs> and, um, and I was, she was, like, showing me these pictures of her cats. And I was like, oh, yeah, nice. This is all I got. Cool story, bro. <laughs> and so, oh, okay, yeah. And so, and she's just scrolling through. Oh, that one has hair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but she's, like, scrolling through. And it was a lot of cat. It was, like. Or maybe they were, like, several of the same cat. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, all my mind can think is, how do I get out? How do I go? How do I make this stop? I'm sorry, ma'am, but I have explosive diarrhea right now and <laughs> must leave. <laughs> I if I'd have thought of it, I'd have used it. Because I, I legitimately was almost in a panic. <sighs> and so, Kayla's there. Kayla loves cats. And, um, okay, so, Kayla is special needs, but... She's, like, high-functioning, and she was, like, she was, like, 20. <laughs> she was, like, 20 at the time, so we're in the grocery store, and uh, she's with me. She likes cats, so she starts looking at the pictures. So, when she starts looking at the pictures, she starts asking questions. Cool. She knows how to carry this conversation. <laughs> I don't. I take the opportunity to run, and I'm, like... <laughs> Okay, Kayla, I'll be on the next aisle, and I just take off. Okay, so I know Kayla, and she she is going to find me. She's not just going to get kidnapped because I know who she is and um, how she is. So I'm like, plus, I feel like she could have took this woman because she is like 90 pounds and old. I feel like Kayla could have took her. Anyway, so Kayla goes... Kayla comes running behind me because she don't want to get left, and she never knows if I'm a leaver. <laughs> she thinks I might, and so um, you might. She just up and left, and she took off running and come around the aisle like she was right behind me, which I figured she would do. But it got me out of the conversation, and you know she's special needs, so nobody's like, oh, that was rude. She just left. In the middle of the conversation. Because, you know, people don't think about that. Yeah. And so, but I did. I panicked and just left her there. <laughs> to get out of the, because I couldn't make it stop. So, in any case, I was, like, on the verge with this guy because he's telling me stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how to make this stop. <laughs> Please stop. And sir. I'm looking around because I'm like, um, I'll. I'll see Melanie checking out, and then I'll be like, oh, let me go help her. But I'm looking, like, I start stepping, like, a little bit of a time towards the front to yeah. get where I can see her. And he's, like, stepping with me, and I, like, slow step. I, like, slide, step, slide, step, slide. <laughs> he's coming with me, steady talking. <laughs> And I'm like, he's telling me about the firehouse and all of this stuff. So, I do start to get panicky. I can't find Melanie. I'm like, did this ever leave me in my own car? So, I cannot find her. Anyway, so, um, at the time where I'm like legit about to just panic attack in the floor, he goes, I'm also a rescue diver. Oh, what? Okay, so hold up. I can do something with this. This is interesting. I, got, I have questions now. So now my panic is subsiding because now I can do something with this. And so I'm like, um, oh, well, that must be real interesting. And he starts telling me stories about um, doing rescues and recoveries. And what? recovering... Um, 
cars from the local lake and all of that. And so I'm interested. But he like starts going into like details on um like the conditions of the bodies and stuff when they pull them out. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I'm like, that's kind of weird because what makes you think I'm into these kind of details, dude? Like, I am, but what makes you think I am? Like, that's kind of weird, right? Just because I've never met this man. I've never seen him before. I've never talked to him before. I'm legitly just picking up blow molds at the thrift store. <laughs> yeah, but you did say that you do a big Halloween display and you pro knowing you, you probably were wearing some sort of t-shirt that had some sort of like horror movie on it. Okay, so I was wearing a Jaws shirt, but it was a roundabout reference to Jaws. It was it said Quince Boat Rentals on it. Oh, Amity Island, New York. So it was like a roundabout way to get to it. Reference yeah. to Jaws. But, and it did talk about boats, so, but I still don't know how that meant I would be interested in when you took the body out of the car, what it looked like and stuff. I mean, I was, it was interesting, but, um, I was just like, this is a weird conversation to have with a stranger in a thrift store. So, later, I'm telling my youngest son, Zane, about it, and he starts talking about, um... A thing he saw on TikTok, which was Adventures with Purpose. So, he sends me a TikTok about them. So, I start watching their videos. And what they do is, on their spare time, they go look for people that have disappeared in their cars around bodies of water. Yeah, I've seen some of their yeah. videos. So, They're if really you haven't, it's super interesting. They do YouTube also, and then they do some TikToks. But it's super interesting. Well, that got it in my algorithm, I reckon, because then, a couple weeks ago, one of their videos popped up, and it was a case that had happened where um, this couple had gone, or these kids had gone missing, and they'd been missing for like 20 years, and these people found their car randomly. And huh. and the sheriff had been searching for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Well, they pull up and they said the name. So, you know me. I'm nosy. I'm interested. So, I Googled the name so I can see what had happened. And um, it wasn't... That story wasn't, like, that interesting. But yeah. um, they basically... Basically, what had happened was just because if you're like me, you're nosy. And you'll be like, well, no, I want to know. Okay. So, the whole time they had been looking for him... They thought they were coming from one direction, and it turns out they were on the total opposite side of the county, coming from somewhere else. Wow. And they, nobody had noticed, um, but when the people went missing, somebody did think about it, but they said, but it was recent, and they said, well, there's a guardrail there. Yeah. So, we would have seen if a car went off right there because there's a guardrail. Right. But then after further reflection, somebody realized that that guardrail had only been there for a few years. Oh. So, at the time they went missing, that guardrail was not there. Huh. So, these people came in and they did the search and they found the car, like, I think the first day they were searching. It was really interesting. What? And both the kids were in the car. Um... And so, it gave closure to their families after, like, 20 years. And so, you know, that's a nice story. Yeah. I mean, it could have been better, but that's oh, a nice Oh, for story. sure. They could have found them while they were still alive. So, while I'm reading this story, the reporter that writes the story accuses the sheriff of only trying to find them so hard because it's an election year for him. And I don't know how old this story was, but it's fairly recent. And, um, I was like... That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. And then they said they said that he also was looking into another cold case that had been cold for years, and he just now was interested in it. And they pointed to that. Well, you know me, nosy as I am, I'm like, I got to find out what this is. So yeah. I look it up. This has nothing to do with a car running off the road into the water. But I look this case up. I read, like, two paragraphs, and I was hooked. I was Ooh. like, what? What is happening here? And so, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's my next case. So, that's where we are. I'm excited. Okay. So, 
here's the story. And this is, um, this is a while back, but it's not terribly far back. It's 2009, so, I mean, we're, you know. Yeah. Not, it's not terribly yeah. far. So, on January 16th, 2009, it's an average day in Sparta, Tennessee. As usual, the matriarch of the Sullivan family, Valda Sullivan, had brought a large basket of food so the 10 family members that worked together at Sullivan and Son Sawmill could eat lunch together. She did this every day almost. Dedication there. Exactly. That evening, as she and her husband Joe said goodbye to their son Terry as he left, they had no idea it would be the last time they would ever see him alive again. Oh. Around 7 a.m. the following morning, their phone rang, and their family was forever changed. The man on the other end introduced himself as Detective Travis Baker. He had tragic news for them. Their 50-year-old son, Terry Lynn Sullivan, had had an accident. While eating dinner the night before, he had got a piece of chicken caught in his throat, had fallen, hit his head, and ultimately died of choking. What? That is so tragic. It is tragic. But wait. Shortly after, Terry's wife, Cheryl Hickey Sullivan, came to the home, and they had to ask what exactly happened. They needed to know. They needed answers. Cheryl said she had gone to the beauty salon about 5 p.m. and hadn't got back until about 9. And when she walked in, she had found Terry on the kitchen floor. It's pretty cut and dried, right? You'd assume so, but I guess not. Come on now. If it was that simple, would we even be talking about it? No. Nope. <laughs> the medical examiner looked over the body and discovered something unexpected. Or... Maybe not so unexpected. On the back of Terry's head, he found a gunshot wound. What? Made by a 22 or a 25 caliber bullet. He noted the blood around the wound had been wiped clean. What? Okay, so at this point, I think it's important to stop here and have a quick discussion about bullet caliber, just for anybody who's not familiar. If you are familiar, then you're going to realize this is a highly simplified explanation because there is a little more that goes into it. But for our purposes, this is what you need to know. Got it. The caliber is the measurement of the roundest part of the bullet. Okay. The casing part that comes in contact mm -hmm. with the grooves inside the bore or the barrel of the gun. Okay. Okay. So not lengthwise, it's roundwise. Got it. Okay. So, diameter. Right. But also not of the bore of the gun. It's of the bullet part that comes in contact yes. with that part of the gun. Basically, it's the part of the bullet that touches the hole where the, of the gun where the bullet comes out. Okay? Yes. So, different manufacturers' bullets perform differently as far as how deeply they would penetrate or things like that. But they're all overall the same. A 22 and a 25 are amongst the smallest calibers, and they are super similar in the damage that they leave. Okay. Okay. So, um, I'm going to post, I, I have some pictures where there's a comparison of entry and exit wounds for anybody interested. Um, not photos of, like, blood and stuff, but just the holes that they make, just so you can kind of see what we're talking about. And there's an actual photo of a 22 caliber entry and exit on a target with a penny next to it. So, you can see how small the hole actually is. Right. So, um, it's kind of morbid, but due to the structure and stretchiness of the human skin, it's not unheard of for the entry hole to actually be smaller than the bullet that went in. What? Because your skin will stretch around it and then close back up. Huh. It's actually possible for the opening where the bullet went in to be smaller than the bullet. So, you'd assume that there's no exit wound, though. For there was guy. no exit wound. So, they would know what... Okay. So, I'm explaining this to say that the hole would have been very small. Okay. 
So it would have been possible to miss at first glance. Got it. So, because remember, it was a detective that called and said he had choked. But it, it would have been possible to miss because the hole would have been very tiny. Now, understandably, the Sullivans start asking questions. Why were they told Terry, Terry had choked on chicken when he had actually been shot? It didn't make sense. Nothing about this made sense. Terry was a likable guy who would want to shoot him. The few answers they did receive from the police just made it make less sense. The night that Terry died, the police had spent more than eight hours at his house collecting evidence. They found no signs of forced entry or robbery. What they did see was evidence that Terry was shot one time in the back of the head while he was sitting at the table eating his dinner. Remember, this is the night Terry died. They spent eight hours collecting evidence. The detective called his family the, the following morning, morning what? and said he had choked on chicken. Just what? throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. So why would they investigate that hard for eight hours if they thought he choked? Because they found evidence he had been shot. While he was sitting at his table eating his dinner, somebody shot him in the back of the head. The police found that evidence the night before. This is wild. Okay, so keep listening. It gets uh, more interesting. What? How could it get more interesting? And where was Cheryl at this time? Because remember, she showed up to the house and told him the choking story too, right? So why had it taken Cheryl so long to make contact with the family? She had found him at 9 o'clock the night before. Who's Cheryl? The wife. Okay. <laughs> I miss Cheryl when she come in contact. I told you, his wife, Cheryl Hickey Sullivan, showed up at the family's house after they talked to the detectives, and then the family had questioned her about what happened. She told them all the choking story. You gotta pay attention or get a notebook so you can write some stuff oh, down. Yeah, I need notes. Okay, so anyway, Cheryl, the wife, why had it taken her so long to make contact with the family? She had found him 9 o'clock the night before, didn't talk to the family till after 7 the next day. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Cheryl was busy most of the night being questioned by the police about Terry's death. I am so confused. No, you are not confused. She had been questioned before... She came and told the family that Terry choked. She had been questioned about his death before she told them that story. So... So she knows that he was shot. She knew that the police suspected foul play and still come told his story, told his family the story that he had choked on some chicken while eating dinner, which is the same story the detective had told. Okay. Hmm. So, this revelation made his family a tad bit suspicious of the grieving widow. Uh, yeah, just bit. a little bit. So, um, soon it was decided the TBI, which is the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, needed to take over. At the family's request, the TBI allows them to hear the 911 call that was made. One single time what why one time it's an open investigation and then if you get to hear it once you get to hear it multiple no. times they were allowed to listen to it one single time the end is that normal I, I don't think so but i don't know um was this 911 call helpful i don't know about that but it definitely was something in the call they can hear in the background, an off-duty officer, Dale Dodson. This is not the detective that called them. Huh. This is an off-duty officer who is in the background of the 911 call that was placed. Okay? Yes. He had somehow beat EMS to the scene and had beat Cheryl to call on 911. He was there when she called 911. He is in the 911 call. 
Okay? Yes. All right. Because at first it didn't occur to me because I was like, wait, how did he get in the 911 call? He had to beat more than EMS. Yeah. Yes. He was there before they called for EMS. That's how far he beat them. Anyway. Some might say he was already there. Yes. He was, uh, okay, so he was an off-duty officer. He was there when she called. When EMS arrives, he can be heard in the call telling them that Terry had obviously choked and it was clearly an accident and EMS needed to go on code and take the body so the medical examiner didn't have to come out. Sketch? He is heard in the 911 call according to the family saying all this. Sketch. The EMS reports do back that line of events because the EMS have to write their reports on what right. happened at the call. Their reports, according to the TBI, do match yeah. what the family is claiming about Officer Dodson telling them they need to. It's obviously an accident. Mm-hmm. You need to get him and go. <laughs> so he's kind of rushing EMS out the door. Right. And he was there before anybody else. Officer Dodson did not secure the scene. He never treated it as if it could have been anything more than an accident. Throughout the call, you can hear people traipsing through the scene, in and out of the room, and over any possible evidence. The family alleges that Officer Dodson spent the weeks following Terry's death corrupting the investigation. That part cannot exactly be substantiated, but here's what I can substantiate. Mr. Dodson was a 16-year veteran police officer. In my opinion, he at very least should have done a better job securing the scene. Oh, yes. I can also tell you for a fact that Officer Dodson was later fired for and indicted of interfering with the Terry Sullivan case. Mm. Furthermore, about a year after Terry was murdered, the TBI requested that a grand jury open an investigation into Dodson for for misconduct. He had, quote, obtained subpoenas to look into the records of at least two websites to learn the identities of people who were making negative comments about him in regards to Terry Sullivan's case. What? That seems like a conflict of interest. I say obtained in quotes because the subpoenas were actually fake. Mm, they have to be because it's a conflict of interest. Well, that answered my immediate first question was what judge in their right mind? <laughs> right. So that would be no judge. <laughs> Let's get it on back to the grieving widow. Now, Cheryl has a good bit of motive in the fact that Terry has revised his will just three months earlier. What? Naming her as the sole heir to his estate. Mm. And he has not one, but two different life insurance policies. Okay, hold up here. How is this a cold case? I'm so confused how... Nobody knows the answer to this by now. There is a lot more. And I did say it like that, and I probably shouldn't because I do actually have two insurance policies, life insurance policies on my own husband. So I probably Why shouldn't have said two? it quite like Because I got one, and then I was like, well, it may not be enough. But you know how when you first get one, and, you know, you it's a bill. Yeah. And you may not have the money to go for the amount you feel like you needed. Yeah. So then when I got more money, we just added another one. He complains because I only have one on myself. But, <laughs> I mean, he he works, so I figure he's worth more. 
Yeah. He, he says no, but I figure he is. Well, you know, life insurance policies are meant for you to use while you're still alive. I disagree with that 100%. I saw a TikTok about it. Me and Kathy talked about that the other day, and I disagree 100%. I feel like what the life insurance policy is is for your family to have some time to grieve without having to rush back to work or worry how they're going to pay their bills or worry about losing their house and cars. Yeah. So, if I spend up my life insurance right now, say, okay, say me and him spend up our life insurance and we both tragically die together in an airplane accident. Okay. Dang, why an airplane? Because we'll die together and also because it's probably not going to happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> I should have said a cruising accident because I'm probably not cruising anytime soon. So, what? in any case, a tragic accident, a hang gliding accident. We hang gliding together. Okay. We have a tragic hang gliding accident, all right? All right. So now what are y'all going to do? Y'all can't afford to bury us. <laughs> y'all going to lose the house, the cars, and everything. Man. Yeah. So it would be better if those policies were in effect and still there and we had not spent them up hang gliding. Yeah. Because then y'all would be able to afford to bury us and make sure the houses were the houses were good and the cars were good. And y'all got stuff to sell or whatever to hmm. split, whatever, however y'all want to do it. So, off on that tangent, I 100% disagree. I think your life insurance is for the people you're leaving behind so they don't have to struggle. In any case, one of these policies that old Cheryl has is worth $1.23 million, and the other's worth a million dollars. Jesus. Okay, so the family, and when I say the family, a good bit of this comes from Terry's nephew, Brooke Jolly. Um, he's super outspoken on social media about the handling of this case yeah. and um, his thoughts and theories. So... Uh, and he has receipts to back up most of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when he says, you know, this happened, he's like, here's the paperwork from the TV. <laughs> so, I mean, he's backing it up. So, I'm, I, he felt like a, a very good source, in my opinion. But that is who most of this comes from. But some of it comes from newspaper articles. Um interviewing certain family members and stuff, but a lot of it is from him. So, the family alleges that Terry's signature on the million-dollar policy was forged on every single page except for one. The one that they felt like he actually signed was a medical release form, and they think he signed it but did not know what it was for. Like, hmm. he had to take it to the doctor and get him to release his stuff. Yeah. And, he, like, he just did not realize what it was for. Which, that's not that far-fetched, because there's um, paperwork all the time that I fill out, and then I'm like, here, sign this to Billy. Yeah, and he, and he just, just signs, signs it. whatever. So, um, that's not that far-fetched. I don't know this dude, but, you know, he's a busy man. He worked a lot and everything. I believe he owned his own business as well as working in the family business. Yeah. So, for his wife to hand him a paper and say, hey, sign, it's not really that out of the ordinary that he would just sign it and go about his right. business. So. Um, the one that was for more, Cheryl and their son were the beneficiaries. The million-dollar policy that the family felt like was forged 90% of it only benefited Cheryl, not the son. Huh. wonder why she wanted to cut him out. Mm, I guess he got uh, his own half a million. So, the family informed the TBI that the signatures did not match, and they wanted to, uh, Cheryl brought up on forgery charges. Mm -hmm. The Sullivans allege that the TBI instead made an agreement with Cheryl's lawyer in front of the judge to release her as a suspect and allow her to claim the money. What? Um, they told the family it was, quote, to see what she would do with it. Spend it? <laughs> the family Spend fought it? this. They took it to court. And the judge allowed her to claim the money, 
but under the caveat that it had to be spent on their son and she has to turn in an annual spending report. Now, that came from the nephew, and he actually enclosed the cover letter to one of the spending reports. Yeah. So, like I said, he, he come with receipts. Um, believing that Cheryl was involved in Terry's death, the Sullivans filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her and two unnamed co-conspirators based on the evidence their lawyer had obtained. And these co-conspirators, I legitly could not find their names. So, I mean, I've got a good theory on who (laughs) one is, but um, I looked, I I, I could not find it. How old's the son? Um, He was a, a, I want to say he was like 13 when this happened. Um, In addition to the stuff we just talked about, the following was alleged in this suit that um, they felt like it was suspicious it took her four hours to go to the salon. But depending on what she was having done, I don't think that's that unreasonable. Yeah, when I go to get my hair, it's at least three hours, at least. Yeah, I think depending on what she was having done, you know, it's, I mean, if she was just going to, like, Great Clips or something and spent four hours, yeah. But if she's going to the salon, she's probably getting washed, cut, colored, yeah, styled. I mean, it takes time for exactly. all that. So, um, my question was more, what salon was open at five o'clock for her to stay there till nine? That was what I thought was suspicious. Not that she was there for so long, but who stayed open so late for? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess maybe it's just people around here close, but... I mean, I feel like if you had a good relationship with your stylist and said, Hey, I can only come at 5 p.m. on this yeah, day. Maybe. Will you make that work for me? I mean, some stylists will go out of their way to make sure. Yeah, that's probably true. So, um, they felt like the fact that she had called 911 immediately but took hours to notify the family was suspicious. Um, I agree with them. I feel like you made the call to 911, um, while you're waiting for EMS or while EMS is there or before the police say, hey, we're taking you down to the station. You could have at some point dropped a line to somebody in his family and been like, hey, by the way. Something bad happened to Terry. Um, She had a carry permit for a handgun, and she was skilled in the use of firearms, so she would have had a way to shoot him. She would have known how. Does she own a gun? It, um, it, it never actually said if she owned one, just that she had a carry permit for one. So... But I don't know if the family necessarily would have known if she owned guns. Like, I don't think Billy's family would know if I owned a gun. I feel like they would. I mean, I feel like they could deduce, but I don't feel like they could tell you, yeah, she owns this or whatever. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't don't know. It just said she had the permit, which probably is, I would imagine that's public record. Yeah. So, the lawyer, when he was um, digging up, could have known that. Um, she reportedly deleted a call off of her cell phone to an unnamed individual on the night of the murder. Now, I'm not a detective, <laughs> but I'm going to guess that this would have been the phone call to Dodson, which would be how he got there before yep. she made the 911 call. But, think about that in itself. That means she walks in... Just benefit of the doubt that she didn't do anything to Terry. She just walked in and found him. She walks in. She sees him. Oh, my gosh, Terry. Let me call Mr. Dodson and see what I should do. Now, okay, if she's friends with the dude and he's a cop, then I can kind of see that she would call him. Personally, I would call 911 first because my thought would be let's get him some help. Yeah. I'd call 911, and then I'd say, hey, look, I'm going to call my friend who, I assume he's close because he got there quick. Yeah. And, you know, because maybe he can help. So, 
But I don't know, maybe she was like, oh, Mr. Dodson lives up the road and he probably knows CPR or whatever. And, you know, he'll get here and help me before EMS. Yeah. But I don't know. That's suspicious. I'm suspicious. I'm just saying if it's my family member, if uh, Noah calls the neighbor before he calls 911, I'm going to be looking at him with suspicious Oh, mind. for sure. For sure. So, I'm all over that. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> um, She was seen meeting with and passing an envelope to an unarmed individual on the night of the murder. She unarmed? Was, um, unnamed. I'm sorry. I okay. said unarmed. Unnamed individual on the night of the murder. Uh, so, she's seen in town off. just meeting with somebody and handing them off an envelope. Full of monies. On that same night. On the so, night. So, yeah, I can see where they would Here's find that the rest suspicious. of my deposit. Okay, so she failed a polygraph that was given in the course of the investigation, which they're not admissible in court, and they are known to be... Unreliable. Unreliable. Don't take a polygraph test. Yeah. But you do look sketch if you don't. Yeah, it's a catch-22, because you yeah. really shouldn't, because you don't know what they're going to say. And I wonder if just the fact that you're, like, super nervous because oh, of I everything going on. I would be so on, nervous. I would fill a polygraph test with my own name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and we know that I sometimes don't know my name. So. For sure, you you would 100% fail. Yeah, I'd be sitting here name. telling the truth, and I'm, I don't know. In any case, so that one's a catch-22. I mean, I see where the family's going with it, but also notoriously unreliable. So, I don't think, I don't even know why she would have took it. Um, they brought back up, of course, the forged insurance paperwork. The fact that there was no forced entry, the family felt like meant Terry would have had to know them and let them in. Right. I am not sure about that. In fact, I disagree with it. Here's why. I feel like the door either was left unlocked um, or the person had a key. Because here's the thing. Being a southern man, mm -hmm. what are the chances that you go invite somebody in and then sit down and eat in front of them? You're not. You're not. You would either offer them some food or, or wait stand until up they and leave. wait until they leave. So... Just being a southerner and just assuming he's got southern manners because his mama's feeding him every day and all of that. Yeah. I assume either there would have been two plates on that table or he would not have been sitting down eating when he got shot like Correct. they said. So that leads me to believe that either the door was unlocked or they had a key. I don't know this man, and I don't know his business. I do know that a lot of people in small towns, if they're home, aren't known for locking their doors. Correct. So, it could have been that he left the door unlocked. Could have been that Miss Cheryl had conveniently left the door unlocked when she went to the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. Could have been. I don't know. Not accusing. Just saying. <laughs> so, um... The family has never been able to get the answers they deserve. And here's the part where I would say, if you have any information about the murder of Terry Sullivan, please contact the TBI at 1-800-TBI-FIND, F-I-N-D. However, Terry's nephew, Brooke Jolly, wants people to know that the family firmly believes that if you give information to the TBI and not also to the family, the TBI will bury that information. They believe that the TBI has been involved with a cover-up because the local police force was also involved in that cover-up. What the heck? He has been very outspoken about the way the TBI has handled the case. And like I said, he has receipts. And for my sweet Billy, that means that he has proof that what he's saying is true. <laughs> what? He doesn't know what receipts are? No, he's going for sure. So what does that mean? What kind of receipts? <laughs> <laughs> I got the receipts. <laughs> like from Walmart? Like, I don't know what you mean. That's how he is. 
Anyway, so um, if you do have information and you decide that you also want to pass it to the family, you can look up Mr. Jolly on social media. You just search his name and Terry Sullivan together and it'll pop right up with some of the stuff he's been on saying. Um, he's also like a comedian or something. I don't really? know if he's funny. I'm oh. like watching. I don't know if he's funny. But um, he is a comedian, so he's not that hard to find. I couldn't find anything about whether the Sullivans won their lawsuit or not. And I, I Maybe looked it's still looked. ongoing. It could have been, but this is a really long time. And the money's like, I would imagine, almost gone, if not gone. Yeah. So, um, I assume that they did not or it got dismissed or something. But... I could not find anything saying if they won or lost, and I looked. I also couldn't find um, Mr. Jolly saying anything about it, which felt like something he would have talked about, but yeah. I didn't find him saying anything either. But I found him saying a lot of stuff, just not that. Dodson was convicted of one count of misconduct, but... I was informed that he has left Sparta and is now a cop in another town. What? How can you get fired from a police station and rehired for, somewhere for else? For tampering with a case. That's... What? I feel I, like you should be banned from being a police officer anymore. No, you would think. I did not look too hard into that, though, because I didn't want to receive a subpoena of my own. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I just... That's what I was told, and I just left it at that because I don't want to get su su subpoenaed. <laughs> so, do you have theories? Was it the wife, a stranger? Uh, Dotson and Cheryl are sweet lovers. Yeah. And they killed for the insurance policy. I think, um, at very least, I feel like Dodson helped to cover it up. And I do find a lot of Cheryl's activity suspicious. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if Dodson would have been the one to actually do it, but I do, I mean, he was, I feel like he, we can say he was pretty definitely involved, involved in the cover for sure. And why are you so concerned about the people talking bad about you online? That seems so weird to just obsess your yeah. time with. Yeah. Where you would go through the trouble to make a fake subpoena, <laughs> fake subpoena which is hilarious, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Just bust out with a fake subpoena. Okay, so on a side note, when I searched um, the case, I immediately found three Terry Sullivans, Terry with a Y and Terry with an I, that had been murdered. So, um, And I mean just off the rip. So if your name is Terry Sullivan, be careful out there because they may be after y'all. I don't know. It be may safe be safe out there, Terry. So y'all be safe out there, Terry. Keep an eye out. Make sure your doors are locked. And um, before we go, do you have anything? Because I got uh, I got a thing to say about a message we received. Oh. So do you have anything? No, just make sure that you contact the uh, family as well as the police if you know anything. <laughs> if you have a theory on why this case is still cold, what the heck? They never arrested anybody. How is this case still cold? It seems pretty cut and dry to it me. It really does. But okay. But Anyways. it's suspicious, right? Yeah, okay. for sure. Anyways, right. go ahead. Okay, so... Before we go, I want to talk about this. Um, we try to record ahead of time. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it don't. But anyway, we're just now getting to this, and it's been several weeks back, like almost a month now. Yeah. Maddie got the sweetest message from a lady that she met back when she was working on her student film in college. My first year of college. So that was a long time ago. Yes. Cause she's getting up there in the in the years. That was... 2018. Um, this lady's name is Kareth, and I hope I'm saying that right, but y'all know the rule at this point. If you think I should be saying something else, just assume that's what I'm saying, and you can't tell because of my accent. <laughs> so, um, Miss Kareth said that she's loving the podcast and that Maddie's mom, that's me, is a great storyteller, and she thinks I'm hilarious. 
I'm just kidding, but she did say I, I crack her up when I tell my stories. <laughs> so, she's going to have a good time with this one. Probably, because I <laughs> had some stuff. Anyway, um, I want to personally thanks her, thank her because it made me feel so good to get that feedback. Because I do tell Matlin all the time, I'm like, I feel like I ramble on with these stories. And people are like, oh my God, will you shut up? <laughs> So, for her to say that, it really felt good, and it made me feel good, and I contacted everybody I could think to contact in the middle of the night and let them know that it had happened. Aww. So, um, I had just, I, you know, I got my little friends group and everything. I had sent them. I had texted Kathy. I texted Billy, even though he was asleep next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, he would see it when he woke up in the morning. <laughs> so, I told everybody I could think of that... It's okay to text in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, I appreciate it, and it meant a whole lot to me. Also, Miss Kareth has been under the weather, so if everybody could just send some positive vibes her way, that would be great. I would appreciate that. And I'm sending positive vibes to Maddie. For sure. All right. So, um, other than that, that's all I have. Y'all need to rate, review, and share us so we can grow. Grow big. Grow strong. I think I already said y'all need to share with your male person. So share with, like, your UPS guy this time. Yeah. Tell him. He's in that truck all day. He ain't got nothing better to do. Listen Tell him, to turn us. us on and listen. Yeah. When well, I turn us on, that seems dirty. <laughs> <laughs> like put on the podcast and listen listen to us all right that's all i got you got everything yep that's it all we'll right. see y'all back here next week y'all have a good week. episode have a good week bye bye If you'd like to know more about the case we discussed or to see our sources, make sure you're following our Facebook page as we put all that information out there onto each one of our podcasts each week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at unsolved underscore south and also join our Facebook discussion group where we invite you to share your thoughts, your theories, and ask questions. If you have any story suggestions that you'd like us to research and do a podcast about, please email us at unsolvedsouthpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode.